why, why would we not think that science is magical in itself? Like, why are we separating them so intensively? And I think any great scientist will tell you, we know way less than we don't know. Like the universe is vast. We know a tiny fraction of the things that there are to know. Um, and those are the people that I like trust and listen to. I'm really kind of off put by people who, you know, act like they have all the answers to everything because I'm just like, there's no fucking way. Hey there, y'all. Welcome to Woo Woo Bible, the podcast where we ditch the dogma so we can connect to something greater than ourselves. My name is Dylan D. Money King. I'm a spiritual life coach, board certified hypnotherapist, and lover of all things mystical, magical, and miraculous. Let's dive in. Hey there, y'all. If you are new here, then, well, hello. I am so happy to have you here. And if you're coming back, then welcome back. It's so nice to see you again. We're here today with one of my favorite segments of the podcast, Conversations with Changemakers, a space where we sit down with the thought leaders of the world and we get a little insight into how spirituality shows up in their lives. Today, I am very, very excited. Am I always excited? Yes, because there are just so many beautiful people in the world and I am still equally excited every single time. Um, today, we are talking with Alyssa Pressman. Alyssa is a trauma-trained licensed therapist and certified coach. She specializes in supporting clients with trauma healing and resolution, navigating relationships, and all things coming home to yourself in order to live in a life in deep alignment with the truth of who you really are. She has supported hundreds of people through groups, one-on-one -on -one work, and couple support. She currently works as a one-on-one -on -one coach for coaches, space holders, therapists, creatives, and entrepreneurs, and also works with Rachel Turner to bring trauma-informed training to entrepreneurs. She is from North Carolina and currently resides in Houston, Texas with her husband, Chris, and their plant children. So let's give a big warm welcome to Alyssa. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. And I'm honored, a thought leader, a change maker. Like, this is very exciting. I'm, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And just, we already talked about it, but hello, fellow Houstonian. I know. Yep. I've been here for a little over a year and a half at this point. It's a fun place. There's so, there's so much to see and explore and it's, it's such a place. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. I had no idea how, like quite how large it was. And the food scene here is like unreal, unmatched. I had not a clue. And so my husband, Chris and I, we have been enjoying it so much. Like we try different barbecue places as much as possible. We were like eating our way through the city. That's how we're getting to know it. That's a really good way to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm really curious, um, you know, you are, a, a trained therapist, licensed therapist, but in looking at the way you operate in your, your coaching business and your practice, you really incorporate a lot of what I consider magic. Um, you, you know, your love of tarot cards, um, talking about the moon, all of this fun stuff. I'm really curious how you, how you started to kind of 
discover your passion for that and and bring that into your work? Where did where did that come from? Yeah. So you know, I just, I was always a very kind of intuitive child. And I know people are really throwing around the word empath, but I was always deeply intuitive um, growing up and had a lot of very psychic experiences, but didn't quite know what they were or things like that. And like my lineage, my mom talks a lot about that stuff, but I come from a lineage of women with abilities, but who were very afraid of them and kind of didn't touch them, didn't talk about them. So I just didn't have a lot of context and understanding of like things that I was experiencing. Um, and there was a house that my family, we lived on for several years that was like, um, backed up to like a giant protected park. So it was like at least thousands of acres of woods. And it was very, I had a lot of spiritual experiences there, like saw a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. And then you kind of get older and that stuff kind of goes offline. Like it did for me, um, in my like teenage years. And I got really into school and structure and like being a good student, went to college, got my master's degree, um, find a lot of safety or used to in like professional settings. And like, I found a lot of my worthiness that was tied up in like being a productive person, a good student, a good employee. Like I call myself a recovering perfectionist. And I was also navigating a lot of health things in my early twenties. Um, it was like the beginning of like some serious chronic illness diagnoses and surgeries and all these things kind of started popping up. Um, and I just consider that time of my life, like one of the dark nights of my soul. And I got like, I just felt like I went into this dark liminal space, like a tunnel. And that is when I really reconnected to more of my spirituality, um, not in like a religious sense, but just like finding my own relationship with spirit, with God, with the universe. Um, I started feeling like I had guides present and around me and being more attuned to that. Um, but it was really interesting and kind of like hard to navigate. So when I got out of grad school, I was working full time as a therapist for a nonprofit agency. We worked with people who lost loved ones. And I specialized and worked mostly with um, parents who lost children at a child at any age. So like anywhere from pregnancy up till I worked with someone in their eighties who lost um, a child in their sixties. Cause you're a parent forever when you're a parent. Right. Um, and in that work, I started like seeing people's dead relatives sometimes show up in a session. Wow. And I didn't know what to do. I, I mean, like I didn't know what to do and I didn't want to tell people at work because like, what are, what are they going to say to that? You know what I mean? Like I, I was very concerned about how to approach it and be, being a therapist, like people weren't coming to me thinking like, or knowing that I was psychic. I didn't even identify as that at that point. Um, and so I, I knew it wasn't appropriate to be like, I'm actually like, your son is like actually right here right now, like to your left. Like I was like, I'm not going to do that to people. I could get in really big trouble that could affect my licensure, even my job. Like that's just not appropriate in that context. Um, and at that same time, I, I was like really learning and studying tarot. Um, I was connecting with the moon and I can't even tell you how that even happened. It was just like, I had always had an interest in those things. And once I hit a point in my twenties, I was like, why am I not letting myself explore this like more? And as soon as I did like the moon, I commune with the moon all the time. I follow her cycles and her rhythms. That's been life-changing for me. I think my chronic illness really helped me understand that like I needed to live more cyclically and in a rhythm to support my body better so I could function. And then the tarot came in and that's when I really started realizing like, oh, I can channel through tarot cards 
Um, and I was doing a lot of like readings for myself and just using those as another way to connect to my guides and spirit. So that's kind of how that all came about. And it's one of the reasons I switched into coaching, um, because I just couldn't figure out a way to do a therapy practice that would also honor like the magical aspects of myself. And I didn't want to keep those like hidden and secret secretive. I wanted to bring them to the world, but it was scary to come out in that way and like merge very evidence-based academic academic background with like this very magical, these practices that like, there's no research on this shit that I can like, so it's, I'm still learning, like, how does it all fit together? But it feels really good. Like, I feel like I'm really finding more of my rhythm and space within that world. I feel like I have heard that from just listening to some other uh, therapists who are kind of moving more into the coaching space, um, that they are kind of looking for more ways to explore themselves and be themselves. I don't know a whole lot about being on the therapist's side, um, but I know that there are so many regulations um, in how you have to maintain that uh, therapist client yeah. relationship. Yeah. Um, I, but I have not heard anybody talk about this aspect of it, which I think is so, so fascinating um, because it is such a, an interesting blend of the science and the magic, um, which is just so interesting to me in as somebody who um, is very, very practical and very pragmatic, um, I very much love to to study. Um, I I have lived with uh, epilepsy for over over twenty years, and so a big chunk of my trying to understand what is this was like buying neurological textbooks and trying to understand what does this mean on a medical level. Cause I'm not going to go to school to be a neurologist, but let me, let me try and understand what's happening in my brain right now. Um, and being able to see like, what does the science say? And I think that there is far more overlap than we actually want to acknowledge sometimes. <laughs> Um, in every aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think of it like this too, is like, why, why would we not think that science is magical in itself? Like, why are we separating them so intensively? And I think any great scientist will tell you, we know way less than we don't know. Like the universe is vast. We know a tiny fraction of the things that there are to know. Um, and those are the people that I like trust and listen to. I'm really kind of off put by people who, you know, act like they have all the answers to everything because I'm just like, there's no fucking way. And I get it. I'm deeply pragmatic and practical as well. I'm a Virgo sun and a Capricorn moon. And so like, there's a very much a grounded nature to how I approach things. And, um, when I was first entering the world of tarot and of the moon, I was really, and I still am, you have to be incredibly discerning about these circles of people that run in those spaces. Cause you got some people out there that are like really misusing that information and, mm -hmm. and doing kind of really 
strange things and, and, and quite manipulative even. And so it wasn't like I just immersed myself in all of these spaces and was like, this is all great. You can, you can be practical and pragmatic and grounded in quote unquote reality and also be very intuitive and into the magical aspects of things. And I mean, even stuff like I'm trained in somatic work and that is evidence-based. And also I, I experienced that as deeply magical, like the things that come from tapping into the body through embodiment and somatic work. And I'm like, you can't explain it, but it works. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think there's so much you're, you're right. So much that we don't fully understand and it's just okay to not fully understand it to, to search for the answers is, is also okay but we don't have to always arrive yeah. at the answer. Yeah, I really like sitting into the questions. And to be honest, that is so much of the work that I do with my clients is like, we sit in the big questions and we find ways to be in those spaces and navigate them knowing that that's gonna be the majority of what we do as humans is like, we're going to have way more questions than things answered and things we're sure of. So how do we navigate that? Because that's really what it is. And I know it's so cliche to be like, it's about the journey and not the destination, but I mean, kind of, it really is. It's like, because we think, oh, when I understand this, when I know this, when I achieve this, when I reach this goal, like then things will settle down. And it never is like that because there's just so many unknowns and how can we kind of live into the mystery and find ways to enjoy it and be like, titillated by it instead of I just have to figure out what this all means and get all the answers and and then like that'll be set and then I can go do the next thing like that's just not how it works no (laughs) no it's it's never gonna work that way even um even in a a scientific method Mm -hmm. because there's so much left undiscovered and so much left unknown yes um which is so so fascinating Um, I'm curious about on your personal journey, when you did start to share more about this side of yourself, what was kind of the, the response from this very professional world that you were coming from? Yeah. So I was really mindful about who I shared these things with in general, um, And, you know, I was really kind of talking about it more with like people in my personal life that I trusted and that I felt like understood it. Um, And then I took it to, I really had, so my own therapist, um, who was one of the reasons why I went to grad school and, and became licensed was my experience with her over so many years. Um, She was someone I trusted to talk through these things, like, because um, we would talk about them in my sessions with her. And so I kind of brought that to her and we talked about what, to, what can that look like in a therapy practice and um, how to honor that part of ourselves. And then I brought it to one of my clinical supervisors um, at the agency I was working at and she was really supportive. And even then I didn't tell her the full range. To be totally honest, I did not go into some of the details. Um, and I also didn't understand how to have boundaries properly around my energy. And so there was times that like my client's dead children would come to me in dreams or like when I was not at work and that was super dysregulating and I hadn't learned how to set up energetic boundaries. It was like, I was always open, which 
I don't want to call it dangerous, but it just like wasn't healthy. And it was a big reason why I burned out so quickly um, in that line of work. I needed to kind of step back and shift like, how am I going to operate? But I didn't get any like blowback because I wasn't sharing it with people. Like I was very mindful about where I talked about it. I obviously was not telling my clients because they weren't coming to me for like psychic intuitive guidance. They were coming for therapy. So I really honored that. I mean, it was once I got into my coaching, you know, one of the certifications I went through with coaching was all about sexuality and relationships. And so um, that was kind of a big shift in, in what I was talking and focusing about and that even deepened my spirituality in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started sharing it online on my Instagram page and people were really curious and asked a lot of questions. I really, I'm really lucky and grateful. I did not experience a lot of blowback, but my page was private for many years. I only opened it up like two years ago. Um, and I have like a relatively small following. So I'm really lucky in that I'm not experiencing a lot of like people saying kind of weird shit to me or, or crossing my boundaries. And I'm also very boundaried. So if someone were to, I have no problem, block, delete, answer the question if they're respectful or not. That's so important. <laughs> yeah. And being able to set um, also those boundaries like um, energetic energetically yeah um when you are having kind of those experiences um yeah i have um in the experiences that i have had me personally i have only ever had um my grandparents those are the only people that i've ever seen Mm -hmm. um so i would consider myself blessed that i don't have don't have to navigate any strangers or like anything like that. Um, but in connecting with other people, I can't even imagine like some of the things that they experience or things that they like sometimes are told Mm -hmm. though. Like some people feel like they get warnings or things like they, they are not ready to handle yeah and having to navigate like setting boundaries with people who are not physically yeah there yeah when we're not always even prepared to set boundaries with people who actually exist on a physical plane that yeah. we live in yeah yeah it's a whole different ball game of like I'm not just but at the same time it's kind of not like I just I took um one of my favorite creators, artists, um, and witches that I follow is Sarah Faith Gottestinger. Um, and I took one of her classes on protection magic probably over a year ago. And it was really supportive and being like, how, how do we protect our energy and ourselves? And I just do a lot of, um, clearing my space and being like, I am not available for, and then I state what I'm not available for. Um, I'm not open to receiving information right now in these ways. Um, And I just kind of say that it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to pretend that I'm in control of everything, but I've at least made an effort to be like, here are my energetic boundaries. Here's how I, you know, tend to them so that I'm not just like out in the world with basically antenna feelers receiving all of this information and feeling totally overwhelmed with what to do with it. I guess my next question, and this is kind of referencing um, something that you stated on um, an episode of uh, your podcast that you do with Rachel Turner, which by the way, guys, definitely listen to 
this podcast super amazing. Um, I will link it down in the, the show notes. Um, you mentioned that at the time when things started kind of maybe coming to fruition the most is maybe my understanding from the story that you uh, were telling. Um, yeah. It it was almost a, a gut reaction to wonder if this was a uh, more of a medical diagnosis as opposed to a like a very intuitive this is just yeah real experiences these are real souls who want to speak to me and real connections as opposed to uh, a schizophrenia diagnosis or another uh, mental illness Yeah. So, I mean, I've had anxiety, you know, for a long, long time. And at the point that my abilities were kind of coming more online and more just like front facing in my life, I was in my early twenties. And because of my education and training, I was like, oh shit, this is when like uh, schizophrenia diagnoses come online for women. A lot of the times is in the twenties. And so I, I literally had my DSM and I was like looking at it and I was really trying to be like, you know, it, could it be schizophrenia? Could it be psychosis? And, um, my now husband, Chris, we were dating and I kind of was explaining to him and, um, he's a doctor. And so we were like kind of talking through it and he was asking me a lot of great questions. And I just came to the fact that like, Yes, we have to be very discerning about mental health stuff and like what's what. And also un unseen and unexplained things don't automatically need to be diagnosed as something. Um, like there's a lot of validity in mental health diagnosis and education and support. And also not everything falls under that umbrella. And it's like very important to be discerning and to like even understand the role of colonization in the mental health field Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like the ways that we slap diagnoses on people. And like one of the hard things about working as a therapist when I was looking into going into private practice was like, if you want to take insurance, you have to like basically give people who come to you a diagnosis, even if they're just not, now this isn't always true, but a lot of times for insur- insurance to cover the cost of therapy or like make it a very small cost for the person to be paying, you have to give them a diagnosis. Even if you're just sitting across from them and you're like, this person is just a human going through hard shit or like navigating something. And so that, that there's a lot of that at play. And I've like really been in the process over the last several years of decolonizing my understanding of mental health and therapy and um, what that all looks like in the medical industry and the mental health industry. Um, so yeah, I really was able to go, okay, I am having, this is a spiritual experience and I could kind of connect it to things from my childhood. I had some conversations with my mom, who's also psychic and just understanding that like, this is a thing in my family and my lineage. I have had experience since I was a kid. The things that I'm experiencing aren't like disrupting my life in a way a mental health diagnosis might be of like, oh, these are voices that are not these are, these are, this is like different than what I'm thinking it is. Um, but it just took me time. And I was freaked out at first. I was like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Am I having, um, a breakdown? Like what's, what is this? And it took me some time to discern. And and I had some trusted people around me where I could kind of like, be like, check in and be like, do you think I'm okay? Like, can I tell you what I'm experiencing and get that like feedback? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, when I was first 
when I first uh, had my first seizure at like eight, um, mm-hmm. my my dad had a seizure disorder. He didn't have epilepsy, but he had a seizure disorder. And so I would always ask him, do you think this is related to God? Yeah. And try to, like, these big, deep questions that, like, no parent is prepared to answer <laughs> that kind of question. But I was so curious, like, why did God give this to me? Mm-hmm. Because they're so, um, in like the, there's so much, um, you know, in the Bible when people have seizures, what's clearly a seizure, they're, Jesus casts out the demons. It's a demon in there and Jesus casts it out and then they're better. And I couldn't wrap my head around, did this make me different in a good way? Mm-hmm. Or did this make me different in a bad way? Yeah. I couldn't understand what was happening. Yeah. And nobody could ever explain it to me either. Yes. No, I I love that. I mean, it's like you're eight, you're a kid, and you're like wanting to understand what is happening and what's going on. And I think for a lot of people that go, that experience like abilities and gifts, a lot of times they come really to the forefront through health things. And I know my chronic illness diagnosis, it was so painful and so disruptive to my life as I knew it. It changed. It was like one day I was fine. And then the next I wasn't, and it brought me to my knees and it just plunged me into the space of like having to be with myself in a way I had not had to like ever, um, and had actually avoided because I didn't want to feel my feelings. I didn't want to sit with myself. I didn't like myself in a lot of ways. So I didn't want to be with myself. And then I was forced to through physical limitations of not being able to function the way that I had been. And it is like, I also was at some point was just like, so I'm Jewish. My dad's side is Jewish. My mom's side is Catholic, but I was raised Jewish. And it, it feels very um, <laughs> Jewish culture to me to kind of like, you know, argue with God. And so I was arguing with God a lot. And I was like, you know, basically what the hell, like, what is this? Like, why am I dealing with this? Why is this happening? Like, what is going on here? Like, what is the meaning and the message of it? Um, and you know, I didn't understand it for a long time and I have more of a context or I think it saved my life in a lot of ways. Cause I was, um, struggling with alcohol and my diagnosis, like I had to stop drinking, which I didn't for several more years. I I kept drinking anyways, but it helped me get alcohol sober. And so it really like changed the way I lived. And what that did was open the doors for deeper spiritual connection. And basically for me to come home to myself. Um, and so that was really, that was really beautiful. Yeah. I think that's really, yeah, I think you're right. There are some things and you know, I hate the I hate the, uh, the kind of bypassiness of, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like, yes. Like, of course. That's not a, that's not a thing, but yeah, <laughs> there are sometimes these like massive intricate weavings of stories that are so interesting to look at when we do reflect back and see, wow, yes. what a what a road that ended up leading me down and how that wouldn't have happened if something else had played out. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that everything happens for a reason is, is bullshit. And, you know, especially I think my work with the parents who you know, experience the death of a child. Oh my gosh, we yes. talk so much like behind closed doors. They were like, I hate when people say that because like, how can you say that to me losing yeah. a child that this has happened for a reason? What is the reason? And even in my own, like in my initial diagnosis, I was in so much pain that when someone would make a statement like that, or, you know, I grew up in the South. So people would be like, you know, God only gives you what you can handle. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I would want to kill people. Like I am debilitated. I can't walk. So like, that's very easy for your able-bodied ass to say to me in this moment. And I am suffering. So please shut up. Um, And it it really is, we have to be the ones to make meaning and context. Other people don't have the right to do that to our own stories and our lives. Mm, Absolutely. I, um, I think it was a, a sermon I go to an Episcopal church and I think it was a sermon a few months ago where the, the preacher flat out, he said, that's, that's not true. God does not only give us things that we can handle. That's just not true. He absolutely gives us things that we cannot handle. Yeah. There are things in this world that we are not equipped to handle. We are not ready to handle. Yeah. If he only gave us things that we could handle, man, it would just be like a super smooth ride. It'd be a smooth ride. Yeah. Well, and my thing again is always like, if that works for somebody to hold that as like a comforting truth and a principle that guides their lives, great. But we don't get to then throw that at other people and say that to them when they're navigating really hard things. Like it's just not fair and it's not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, um, a good reminder, especially like when when talking with people who who are in pain who yeah. are suffering if they want to use those phrases if that is supporting them then absolutely say yeah sure at yes yeah and affirm that and if that's not what they want to hear and want to apply to their story at that moment in time then it's not helpful. No. And I think to so many times with my own therapist, I really started seeing her when I was a teenager, um, from teenage years on. And when I was hit with so much health things, I would sit in her office and cry and say, why do you think this is happening to me? Cause I wanted to understand and make mm-hmm. meaning of it. And sometimes she would just sit with me and be like, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could have an answer for you. And I found that so much more comforting than people that tried to be like, this is going to make you better, a better therapist and space holder for other people. I'm like, I don't care right now. This is my life. Um, I don't want this to like be a good thing for me. Like I want to just be with the pain of this right now and and almost having someone honor the fact that I don't know why this is happening. Shit just happens sometimes. And it's really hard. I'm here with you and your pain. That was the most comforting thing that I was offered at those moments in my life. That's really, really beautiful. And that goes back to kind of what we were talking about at the beginning, just saying, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. I don't, I don't know. To me is like one of the most comforting and powerful things we can do and say, it makes me trust people immediately. 
um, at a deeper level when they're just like, yeah, I don't know these things. And I'm like, great, me neither. And it's to me, I'm like the older I get and the more I learn, the less I know. And I actually find that like such a relief. Like I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to solve all the world's problems by myself. Uh, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know. That feels really good to say. I don't know. Yeah. It is a relief to not have to know everything. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure yes. to have to have Too all the much. answers. It's a lot. Yeah, it really, really is. So what um, what does your, you're owning the phrase of being a psychic now, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yes, and also I still am like, a little uncomfortable with it at times. Like I'm still coming into it. And I have, I have a really wonderful friend, Colin, his name's Colin Bedell. He has an amazing Instagram page, um, queer cosmos. He has some books he's written. Yeah. Okay. So he is my cat moon brother and I absolutely adore him. And he has really empowered me in many ways to be like, Alyssa, you are psychic. Like, when are you going to stop? And my husband, Chris, and my husband, Chris grew up in in North Carolina, in the South, um, very religious Christianity households and families, um, very spiritual. And I thought, okay, when I kind of come out to him with this, he's going to be like really weirded out. And he was just like, no, I'm waiting for you to own your gifts and abilities and stop being afraid of them. And I was like, the fear is my lineage fear of these things, the responsibility, the weight. I think that's part of it is like the responsibility and the weight it carries to have these kinds of gifts and like, what do I use them for? And, you know, like anything they can be used, they can be misused. Um, they can feel scary. And so it really is, as I've gotten older, I'm like, um, I don't want to live a life where I'm just afraid of everything all the time. I watch so many people in my family and my lineage be ruled from fear and like, um, not speaking out and sharing their truth and, and, and letting themselves be who they really were. And it causes so much pain. And I just, I'm like the major cycle breaker in my family for better or worse. I'm very disruptive to, um, peacekeeping and like things that I find quite harmful to my humanity and the humanity of the people in my family. Um, and that's hard, but I'm at the point now where I'm like, I, I'm very comfortable saying I'm deeply intuitive and I can channel information and I'm, I'm stretching my capacity to practice being more comfortable and being like, yeah, I'm psychic. But I can say in this moment, like I am psychic. I can literally see dead people. (laughs) Like, and I see them in my mind's eye. I'm, I've made a very clear boundary around, like, I really don't want to see a person who is not alive on this plane, like standing in my living room as if they were you in front of me. I'm okay seeing them in like my third eye and like my mind's eye, but I don't want to experience them like in the flesh. I think I'm not ready for that. That would really freak me out. And so far that boundary has been honored and that's how I see people and I get information and I get a lot of visitations and and information in dreams and in kind of like weird waking states. Um, And I hear like, I hear it in my mind as well. And I can recognize when it's my own thoughts or when it's information that's being like given to me, that's not of my own. So I'm like, yeah, that's psychic. And my friend Colin is like, yeah, you're, (laughs) that's called being psychic. Like, love you. I know this is a lot and scary, but like, that's called being psychic. So get over yourself, get over yourself, (laughs) like lovingly, but like, yeah, you're running from this and it's, it's not something you need to run from anymore. So I'm practicing. I love the, um, the recognition of it's also like a a generational yeah um trauma to to break 
and to to shift and change and i think that that's just so so beautiful to to stand up and yeah and own yeah. um i think there are so many people out there who who want to kind of use it as like a almost like an ad on a t-shirt like they're like yeah we're the granddaughters of the witches you burned and I'm like that's a really catchy phrase for a t-shirt but to like actually stand up and take the the healing and the yeah the actual work that it that it is to incorporate that yeah in this century what that means and what that looks like is a very different act I'm so glad you said that a hundred percent. It kind of reminds me of like the girl boss babe culture. And it's like, we've seen it with like the wit witches and what does that mean? And it's like, okay. Or like you a witch for capitalism. Are you actually embodying what it, what that means to be close to the earth and your ancestors and spirit and, um, the pain that that brings and what does it mean for your lineage, both forwards and backwards and the healing that you have to bring. And like, what do we carry through when we come into a life? Um, and there were so many times I was pissed at my mom and I was like, you are psychic and like, you know, it, I know it. I think my mom has intense abilities. And there's also a fear of the responsibility and the weight of them and just like not wanting to tap into them. Um, and I've been really angry with her at different points. Like you have these gifts, you did not want to deal with them. And then it left me without like guidance. Mm. Like I, it would have been great if you had kind of learned some things there and could have taught me because there's been so many times where I'm just like looking around and like trying to find a space where I can learn and understand this and, um, would have loved some support, but part of healing our lineage is understanding like she has done so much better than her ancestors have and theirs before them. And she carries the the pain of her and the fear of her ancestors too. Like it's, it's passed down. And so she did the best that she could. And now I'm doing the best that I can. And like, we're all just trying to figure that this out together and it's overwhelming. There's not a blueprint for this shit. Um, it's a lot of trial and error and just like figuring things out. And it is scary sometimes to be like, even just to carry that level of like pain of generational pain and, and fear. It's like, Oh, like, what do you do with that? It's, it's heavy sometimes. Oh yeah. It's super, super heavy. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we already have all of our own traumas that we experience in, in this lifetime. And yeah. now, um, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny, but it's funny to me. I don't remember what it was that I was reading, probably something on Instagram, but where they were talking about how now everybody has definitely gone through trauma because we've all been through the collective uh, pandemic. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. everybody had probably already gone through trauma before that. Yeah. But I'm glad you all now can recognize that everybody has been through trauma. But uh, we're in agreement we're, now. We're Excellent. in agreement. We all so know. Glad. Okay, good. Got that down. Okay. But on top of everything that we experience in our lifetime, carrying everything passed down that our parents, our grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, were not able to heal during their lives. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I even think about like some, I have great, uh, grandparents, um, a great grandfather who fled from Russia 
as I think he was eight with his younger sister because his entire family was killed. Um, and like, I'm like, that doesn't, that pain of a lineage doesn't just disappear. And like, what does it mean to be connected to our ancestors? And like, what does that bring? And sometimes you'll talk about ancestral stuff and people kind of roll their eyes. And I'm like, you know what? Not everyone's going to get this. Not everyone's going to be um, open to this and have this experience, but that doesn't mean that it's not real for me. Um, and that's okay. And I just find people in places where I can like talk about these things um, and, and be held with people that are like me too. Like this is a space that we can talk about this. Um, and that's helped me ground into being discerning with my own wisdom, my own truth, my own knowing around this, instead of constantly gaslighting myself about the experiences I was having and knowing like, I'm not going to go and bring my tender feelings around my intuitive abilities to someone who's a skeptic on everything and believes in nothing because all that's going to do is make me question myself and feel like I'm losing my mind. Yeah. So I think like being mindful and discerning of like, where do I bring my tender things and, and my feelings and um, my questions, who do I bring those to? What spaces are those safe to exist in? I think that's so, so important. And you keep, you've brought up this word so so many times that word discernment, which is such a Virgo word. It's such, it's such a Virgo word. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. It is such a Virgo such word. A Virgo I'm always word. like discernment, discernment. You have to trust your own wisdom and discernment. And people are probably like, shut up. But it's true. <laughs> it's so important. And being able to have that discernment to say, okay, I can't bring this into, to this space. And I need a space to process this where people are not going to completely shut me out and they're going to hold the space that I need for processing this in whatever yeah. way that I need so that I can connect to what I know to be true. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I, um, I really experienced that the most when I started going to Al-Anon so that's uh, for mm. families and friends of alcoholics. So my husband was um, was an alcoholic. Depending on however you choose to label yourself, you could still call him an alcoholic, but he's been sober for a couple of years now. Um, and he, I, I started going into Al-Anon because there was, and anybody that I tried to talk about what I needed to do when he was in, like the lowest of his low they either told me one i needed to leave I couldn't no no if answer buts no context needed just leave or two i needed to put my own desires or my own children's my children i had one child and was pregnant with our second child on the back burner and prioritize our marriage because that's what God would want you to do. And I was like, I cannot, like, neither of those make sense. I'm sure they make sense for some people, but neither of those make sense for me. And I don't need, like, everybody just giving me their own viewpoint without having any more context is not helping. And Al-Anon for me was that space where I could just say, this is everything that's going on. And everybody in that space was like, we have been there in some form or another, maybe it wasn't their husbands, maybe it was their parents or their sisters or whatever it was, they, they said, we, we know, we understand, and we're not here to tell you what you need to do. 
we're here to hold space and listen and hold your hand and be supportive until you do decide what to do. And like, what a gift is that? And like absolutely, the advice of either leave or, you know, drop all of your needs and just prioritize the marriage and this other person. Those are two extreme ends of a spectrum. And it's like, where is any space in between that? Not that we're ever going to be balanced and in the middle, but like, where can I kind of navigate okay, honoring myself and my needs, honoring my marriage, honoring what my needs and my children are. Like, where does this all fit in? And like, I, I'm so glad you had a space to do that. And I think about my own struggle with alcohol and like, if everyone had abandoned me because they were just like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna not talk to you because I just, what would that have done? to me, like to be abandoned and, and like people get to have boundaries, of course, and like honoring their needs, but this extreme all or nothing of like, if someone had tried to jump in and save me, that didn't work. And if I had been totally abandoned, that also wouldn't have worked. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's so much nuance. (laughs) So much nuance. That's also Virgo. That's also Virgo obsession. I'm obsessed with nuance as well. Absolutely. And it's the Virgo uh, full moon. Yeah, it is. It, it worked is. out. When I was looking at the date of the calendar and the schedule in the podcast, I was like, oh, funny how that that lined up like that. <laughs> it's a fun day. Um, I'm excited for the, this day is like all the numbers. I like the last, um, a few weeks ago, I was like doing a bunch of, obsessive numbering yeah. where I was like, and then my Mercury will return will be on this. And then this adds up and then this Mars will do this. And then and it was, it's weird. I was like, nobody wants to, I can't show this to anybody. Somebody will, Someone will, be like, will what? think this is weird. I know, but it's, it isn't everything like the meaning that we make of it and the sense that we get and the comfort it gives us or the levity it brings to a situation, um, the deeper understanding of ourselves. It's how I look at so much of this. And like, that's just beautiful. I love when people find this, their places and the spaces and the, the tools and support that just makes them feel like I am at home here. I understand myself better. I feel like who I am in this time and space. Yes, absolutely. Um, What would you say, I think you have so many great nuggets throughout all this time that we've talked, but what would you say to somebody who is maybe going through that kind of spiritual awakening part? Yeah. I would say... Of course, you know that you're not alone, but that's not always comforting. So finding spaces where you can really feel not alone, getting support, it doesn't have to be professional, but like it could be communal. It could be like one or two people that you deeply trust where you can bring this, you can bring this full spectrum self that you exist in to these spaces and it can be honored and met with love and compassion and celebration and support is like the most critical thing because it can be very lonely when you're going through these times and it can be confusing and um, it can feel isolating and scary. And so just having even one person that can be like, I see you right now. I'm just here with you. I don't have answers either, but I will sit with you in the questions. I will hold your hand in the dark times. Um, I can't fix anything. I would never try to fix you, but I'm just like right here next to you. 
that's just like a full body exhale of like, okay, you don't have to do it alone. That's what I always tell people is like, you don't have to do it alone. You don't ever have to do any of this alone. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you? Yeah, really Instagram. You can find me on Instagram. That's where I live. Um, it's really not a professional self-help account. Like it's much more like personal my life. And I, I, because I really love learning and from people through the, just the stories of their humanity. So that's really what my page is. Um, it's like my humanity is all over it. Uh, you can get on my newsletter. That's where I write more long form emails. And I can really kind of Instagram captions are like, you can only do so much in those spaces. Um, and because I love nuance, I need space to write. So my newsletter is where you'll get my writing. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me right now. I also love Instagram and yes, y'all I'm on her newsletter and it is really excellent. So both excellent places to, uh, connect with Alyssa for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for being here again. I'm so happy we got to do this. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This is a wonderful conversation. Um, and for everybody listening, um, just if you're enjoying this podcast, please like subscribe, rate, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, turn them into better people. And remember, stay mystical, note the magical, and embrace the miracles. Bye.